So we're talking about this idea of experience growth and as a final piece, really as a kind of wrap up for the series, I was thinking of this idea that I'd love for us to think about and uh, I'd love for us to mull over. And it's, it's this, if we want to experience growth in the Lord, if we want to grow in our faith, if we want to expand ourselves in our knowledge of the one who has saved us, who has rescued us, forgiven us, healed us, strengthened us, we have to become comfortable in the discomfort of the journey. We have to learn to become comfortable in the discomfort of the journey. And this, this idea brought to mind an incident in my life that happened uh, years ago. I was around 19 years old. I was invited to go on a backpacking trip. I had never gone backpacking before. My experience with camping had to do much more with car camping. Uh, my family and I would drive up to a, a, a lot. Maybe some of us are familiar with this. And we're right next door to where we're going to be camping. And we, get, we got our, our blow-up mattress and our, you know, outlets, and we got our tent, and we got our blankets, and we had food. And if we ran out of food, we just went down the street to the Safeway and got more. And we had bicycles and Frisbees and balls and our friends, and we would just hang out and have a really good time. And so when somebody came up to me uh, a while ago and said, listen, there's a group of us, of us guys from a church, about 15 to 20 of us, we're going to go for a week out in the wilderness and in the mountains, in the woods. It's going to be awesome. Would you want to come? I thought, well, how much is this? It's just free. It's free. All you have to do is be willing to carry some stuff because we got to carry our stuff out there. That's the point of backpacking. You carry your stuff out to where you're going. I thought, oh, that sounds easy enough. Sure, I'm in. This sounds exciting. I'm, I'm all the way. And it was a seven-day trip. It was from Sunday to Saturday. And, and so I was really excited about it. And I was looking forward to this. And um, I started, and I remember I was given a backpack I could borrow and use for the trip. And so I decided seven days. Well, I'm going to need seven days worth of clothing. And so I lined that up. And I'm going to need clothes that night. And it's probably going to get dirty. So I probably should have several pairs of this. And so I packed that up. And, and then I thought, well, I probably need my Bible. So I got the Bible I had, which is very... Big And I remember just putting it in there, stuffing it into my backpack, and then putting it on the scale, and it, it came out to about 30, 35 pounds. And I thought, oh, okay, well, that's not too bad. And the next day, it was Sunday, we were leaving afternoon, and I was given this bag of food, and because uh, we were all sharing our food together. And, and so I put that in there, and it was about 10, 12 pounds. And then I was told, you know what, uh, you probably should have some Nalgene waters. You should have some water. You're going to get thirsty on the way out. So I put that in there. By the, by the, by the end of packing everything, it was, it was around 50, 55 pounds. And I thought, okay, this is a little heavy, but, uh, but I think I'll be okay. I mean, it sounds like fun. It's going to be a great trip. And I realized on the way to Yosemite, which is where we were going, the trailhead was at, and I realized I hadn't asked a single question about this trip. I don't know where we're going. I don't know how long this trip is. Is it hard? Is it easy? Um, what is this like? And so I thought, you know what? When I get to the cabin where we're going to spend the night, I'm going to ask these questions. I need to be kind of educated, right, what's going on. And we get there, and, and kind of in the hustle and bustle and the excitement, and we go out to dinner, and we hang out, and we have this camaraderie. I got distracted, and I didn't ask. And right as we're going to bed, uh, somebody just kind of said, remember, guys, tomorrow, 4.30 in the morning, we're going to wake up. And I thought, 4.30? Wow. I don't think I've ever woken up at 4.30. This is intense. But all right. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to ask tomorrow. And figured this is a church event. It should be nice and fluffy. And so I'm okay. 
And so I, I woke up the next morning and uh, got, got my stuff together, was getting dressed, and I went up to somebody and just kind of asked, say, hey, listen, by the way, how, how, how long is this trip? Like, where are we going? How far away is it? And they, they just kind of casually said, oh, it's just 14 miles. And, and then just left, and I, I said, okay, well, hold on, hold on, hold on. F- 14 miles? Are we walking those 14 miles? Oh, yeah, I mean, some people run, but, you know, a lot of us walk. <laughs> I don't, okay. And so all of a sudden, I started realizing 14 miles, 14 miles of the possibility of me getting lost in the middle of nowhere, and I would be dead. 14 miles of me getting hurt, and there's no ambulance that is able to go through the terrain to get me. I, I would die. 14 miles, I mean, this is my imagination. Then I realized, wait a minute, we're in the middle of, um, this, aren't there bears here? And lions? Uh, this is not... Fluffy. And I remember going up to one of the guys that uh, had invited me, a little bit upset with him, that he hadn't told me the fullest extent of this trip. And so I said, did you know, a little bit angry, did did you know this was 14 miles? And I was kind of panicking, and he looks at me, and he just laughed. He says, "Uh, yeah, 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 I know. But hey, listen, listen, listen. I, I, um, I hate the hike. I hate it. But I love the destination. Patted me on the back. You'll be all right. Walked away. And he was right. I hated the hike. <laughs> I just hated that hike. It was very hard. 50 pounds got very heavy by mile two. And by mile 10, 11, 12, it was too much. And I, we got there. And I remember finding out we were sleeping on granite. There, the blow-up mattress was that thick. And had a very uncomfortable time sleeping. You hear everything, you know, at night. And uh, realized that our food is nice and safe, but uh, I, didn't, I didn't feel particularly safe. And during the day when it was really hot, there was a particular section of the camp that had shade, and all the bigger, stronger men had it. And I had to make my way somewhere else and was learning the ropes. And then I realized that I became a little bit uncomfortable. In fact, the day we got there, I was so hungry. I ate double portion and uh, ate into a, a half a day's worth of my portions. And I uh, started realizing I may actually end up getting hungry out here and starving a little bit. But, but that was okay. I mean, that was expected. I, I felt uncomfortable, discomfortable with kind of this uh, physical nature of the trip. But what honestly surprised me was by the second or third day, what was boredom started turning into something much more bothersome. See, I, I had been running away from certain things that I didn't want to think about. Certain things in my past I'd rather avoid. And all of a sudden, I was alone in the middle of the woods with my thoughts. And, and things that I, I'd rather not think about started invading the forefront of my mind's eye. And I started realizing that there were things I hadn't processed. There were things I hadn't worked through. That no TV, no movies, no radio, no music, no friends could take me out of. And I felt extremely, I mean, very, very uncomfortable. When it was around the third day that somebody came up to me kind of noticing that I wasn't my um, hyper self, sat down next to me and said, hey, listen, um, you don't look, how are you doing? And, uh, and I didn't really want to open up and and so I kind of just blamed the location. You know what? This, this place is awful. <laughs> I mean, I just feel really uncomfortable here. And uh, he thought, you know, I was talking about the granite and 
the heat and everything else. But um, he pressed in and he started just talking with me and started sharing. And this was kind of a, a rugged, fit man who, who loved, he was in his element. This was, this was kind of where he belonged. And he said to me, you know what, this whole backpacking thing, you got to understand something about it and something he had learned a while back. And he said something that God harnessed and used for where I was at. He said, look, in order for you to be able to enjoy where God has brought you or where God is taking you, you have to, you have to, you have to accept, you have to be okay with the discomfort of the journey. And in order for you to be able to enjoy where God has brought you or where God is taking you, you have to be okay with the discomfort of the journey. And what, what he was talking about was, listen, if you become okay with some things here, you'll open your eyes to how beautiful it is and how wonderful this environment is for you. But what God was saying was, in order for you to enjoy where I'm taking you, you got to be okay with the discomfort in your soul right now. And I wonder how many of us, God is trying to take us somewhere. God is inviting us to grow in him, to hear his voice and respond to it. And it will lead us into a dis- an uncomfortable journey. One that will... Um, cause things to arise in our soul we'd rather not deal with, and yet God is saying, listen, you got to be okay with that if you want to go where I'm taking you. And what we do there makes all the difference. How we respond in those situations makes all the difference. Because I wonder how many of us, when we hear this idea of growing with the Lord, we jump, something inside of us becomes motivated. We sit on the edge of our seat. We wonder what that looks like. And so we sign up for things and we step into different things. And all of a sudden, as we're maybe creating a new habit we've never created before, or we're venturing into something we've never experienced before, we're stepping into it and all of a sudden, anxiety begins to bubble to the top. And we feel quite uncomfortable with the realization that we are far from being experts at this new thing. And, and we don't like that. Because it means risk. It means possibilities of embarrassment. It means maybe even failing. Or some of us may see a need around us and we want to step into it. But we wonder, you know what, if we have what it takes. Because we've let others down. We've let ourselves down in the past. And so maybe it's easy not to step out into the discomfort and what we do there is just the difference between growing in the Lord or not. And you know the beautiful thing about the scriptures is that um, they speak to this and they speak a word that I'm hoping would give us strength. See we've been walking through this relationship of Paul and Timothy, this interaction he's been having with Paul, between Paul and Timothy. And um, we're going to be reading a portion of the second letter that he wrote to Timothy. And he wanted to speak to him about a couple things regarding growth, regarding Timothy's comfort level with discomfort. And he starts in the second chapter. He starts in verse 1. He says, Timothy, my dear son, my dear son, I speak to you as a father whom loves his son. I want you to understand the tone of my letters here to you. It is with tenderness that I want to venture into this conversation with you. 
I want you to be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. I want you to, before we go into anything else, I want you to remember that you must anchor your soul in the undeserving love, mercy, forgiveness, life-giving spirit that God gives us through Jesus. That everything we're about to venture into has to come out of a place of being rooted in his grace. That nothing apart from his grace is possible when it comes to growing in the areas he wants us to grow in. So you must, you must become strong in this. You must live in it. You must breathe it and eat of it. You must sustain your soul from what everything Jesus has done for us. And he says, verse 2, he says, You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. I am not alone in teaching these. No, many have confirmed it. This is true in my life. I've seen it happen in other people's lives. And so I want you to do this. I want you to, in verse 2, he says, I want you to now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. I want you to practice the principle of multiplicity, of duplication. I want you to take what's been poured into you, and I want you to pour it into others. Don't hoard it. Give it away. And give it away to people you can trust who will do the same. I want you to do this because this word, this message, this life-giving word must continue beyond our existence. And I wonder how much of this was really because Paul was sitting in a jail cell awaiting his trial that would inevitably come to the end of his days. And realizing that he had little time he needed to emphasize to his um, son in the faith. You must ensure that this message doesn't die when we do. And then he turns the corner. And he does something that I, I think is pretty cool. And Paul uses three distinct metaphors to emphasize some growing principles. He uses the metaphor of a soldier. We're going to see it. An athlete and a farmer. And as he hammers and he walks into and he unpacks, he talks about these metaphors. He's encouraging Timothy to think about what God is trying to grow inside of him. And I'm praying that God would do that. As we step into these metaphors, that by the end of our time, we would have a clear idea of what God is trying to emphasize in us. And he goes to the first one. He says, listen, verse 3, he says, I want you to do something. I want you to endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. And there it is. The first metaphor. He says, look, remember, Timothy, you know very well the presence of the Roman militaries all around us. You have seen them. You have witnessed them. You have observed them and their manner of life. And he says, listen, remember this, that soldiers don't get tied up in affairs of civilian life. No, they cannot, because if they do, they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And so you gotta, you got to realize this, Timothy, that they have a certain ethic of how they function. And they do this for the purposes of the mission they've been called to. And you almost get the sense that Paul, Paul has a respect for the soldier's uh, ability to endure difficulty. Yeah, the, the, the soldier is able to endure not just maybe hunger, maybe loneliness, a, a feeling of being forsaken, of being able to endure deprivation. Why? To fulfill their assignment. And he takes that model, that metaphor, and he says, Timothy, sometimes the Lord's going to ask you to endure some things. 
and you're not going to want to, but remember how the soldier endures things for uh, something that maybe one day will pass away. You endure for something that is eternal. You endure for the Lord. Learn from the soldier. Learn from the soldier. Because God will call you to a point of a greater purpose that he's trying to carry out in your life. He's trying to carry out through your life that is life-giving to those around you. So I want you to develop this ability to endure. And then he moves on to his second metaphor. And he says, listen, remember that athletes, athletes cannot win the prize unless they follow the rules. He invokes something that maybe they're both familiar with. They've seen athletes compete. They've seen them compete for, for a wreath, a crown in the games or maybe in different arenas. They have seen what this looks like. And what he's really saying is we all know, he's saying something that in our day and age we are very familiar with, and it's this, that rules, rules are not supposed to be broken, that there are no shortcuts in this life, that we cannot cheat the guidelines that God would have in our lives. And, and we are um, reminded Maybe even as recently as this year, some of us who may follow the Giants may have heard of Milka Cabrera and what happened when certain rules were broken and the ability to play was removed from him. Or something closer to what uh, Paul was talking about, the Olympic Games. And this year we got to witness, some of us, if we paid attention a little bit or heard through the news that Usain Bolt was able to do some amazing things this year. And he was able to win gold and was able to go for it and do something. And he was triumphant this year. But what that overshadowed was something that happened a year ago. Because a year ago in the world championships, in the final heat of his 100-meter race, in a race where he was expected to win easily, something happened. They had this rule that said that if you have one false start, you're disqualified. And Usain Bolt came up to the blocks and it being his natural, charismatic self, understanding and knowing what was right there at the end of 100 meters. And everyone agreed he would be the one. The question was, who would come in second? Lines up to the blocks, comes down, and something happened. An impulse, a bit too early, caused him to lift off the blocks before the gun was fired. And everyone was shocked. He runs into the middle of the track. And you can see it all over him. He knew what just happened. He had just been disqualified. And even the announcers couldn't believe it. Surely the people in charge would give him a second chance. It's Usain Bolt. Of course, he deserves another shot. We know he's going to win. But he knew. He knew the rule and it was broken. And he wasn't able to race. And that ended up happening a year ago. And it ended up becoming his fuel, his motivation. And it ended up becoming uh, the source of his fire to not just redeem himself, but to capitalize on the opportunity he had this summer. And it ended up becoming a great story of redemption. But this is, this is a very real 
real principle that Paul is calling Timothy to abide by. Then he's saying to him, what he's saying is, listen, listen, Timothy, never forget, never forget that you must honor the Lord's words in your life like an athlete honors the rules of competition. Because if you honor the principles of his word, you will find there is a pathway to victory. So you must do this, Timothy. You must do this like an athlete. Look at the soldier. Look at the athlete. And then thirdly, he says, look at the farmer. Verse 6, he says, look and remember that hardworking farmers, they should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. I I love this because obviously the first direct connection is that uh, in the same way that farmers are able to enjoy the, the literal fruit of their labor the harvest of their labor first before they send it to the marketplace, so are we able to enjoy growth in the Lord when we cultivate it. And we are the first to truly experience it. And that's certainly true, but what he's hammering in on, what he's emphasizing is is the law of the harvest. The law of the harvest is that what we sow is what we reap. And so he's saying to him, Timothy, I want you to sow. I want you to work like a farmer works. I want you to break up the fallow ground. Maybe in your own soul there are areas that need to be cleaned out, that need to be refertilized, that need to be strengthened and watered and attended to, and with very careful attention, with a degree of discipline, maybe a little bit of sacrifice, and know this, that if you do this, Timothy, if you do this, you will taste You will enjoy the harvest. And I'm reminded of what Jesus said, that when we sow his seed in our lives, in the lives of others, we never know how big the harvest is. It could be 30, it could be 60, it could be 100. But we will have a harvest. There will be a result. It is not in vain. And so we follow the example of the soldier and the athlete because we want to enjoy the gift of the farmer which is the harvest. And he says to him in verse 7, he says, I want you not to run too fast, not, not too fast past this. I want you to think about what I am saying. Think about it. Mull it over. Meditate on it. Chew it. Think about it. What does this mean to your life? And if you need help, listen, the Lord will help you understand what God is saying to you. His confidence might insinuate that Paul had learned many things by witnessing and watching the soldiers close to him and the athletes he was observing and the farmers that were a part of their everyday life. That the Lord used those examples to teach him some things about him. And so in that spirit, in that thought, I'd like us to use these three metaphors as a template for us to consider what God may be saying to us. We're going to start with the metaphor of the soldier. And I'd like us to think about this in this way. In what one area is the Lord calling us to endure? What area is the Lord asking us to not quit on? To persevere. uh, To endure. To remain under the pressure we're currently in. Where something inside of us is saying, pull back. Rescue yourself. Look, this is too uncomfortable. And what God is saying is stay under it. I'm right here with you. Breakthrough's coming. Don't quit. What new habit is God asking us to continue in? 
And maybe we've stumbled. Maybe we've started and we've uh, fallen short. And quitting is not the option. Endurance is. Because when we get to endure, we get to uh, realize that uh, anxiety, resistance, contending, frustration, sweat, it's all part of the deal. And there will be a day when we will have a degree of breakthrough. And what will happen in our lives over the long arc of our lives is something of his strength inside of us. Because we held on to the grace that is able to sustain us and we endured. We did not. We did not pull back. I wonder how many of us, this is the question he is trying to emphasize in our lives. Or secondly, maybe our example, our role model, our metaphor is really the one of the athlete. And I wonder what principles, uh, what are the principles that God is asking us to honor in our lives? What are, what are the guidelines that the Lord is asking us to honor? And let's put it in maybe a more clear sense. What commandments is he's asking us to respect, to restore on the boundaries of our lives? What are the words that he is saying for you in this season of your life? You must uh, treat this word as sacred because it, it, it is a guardrail for you. And you have a lane that you're driving in, but much like a guardrail keeps us from driving off the cliff this word of mine, this commandment of mine is keeping you on the lane of this race, of this life that you are in. What are the words in our lives that are meant to get us fit, meant to train us, meant to strengthen us so that when our race comes up, we're able to respond and we're able to go off the blocks on time and we're able to win the race, the prize. I wonder how many of us, we are in a competition of this life of trying to grow in the Lord and, and God is asking us to change the way we look at ourselves, maybe change the way we look at his word instead of resisting, embracing and allowing them to have its way in us. For us, some of us, the athlete, the athlete is our template. And lastly, the farmer. I wonder what would harvest, what would growth in the Lord look like? What would it, uh, what would the fruit of it look like? See, I, I love this question. I love this question because there have been moments in my life, many of them, where God has asked me to step into something I have never been in before. And it, there is, there, there is a, even though there may be a role model before me, there is something of a need for me to visualize myself in that spot. And so I wonder how many of us God is asking us to look at what courage coming through us looks like. Where fear arises and we confront it. Where a commitment is there and we complete it. Where maybe there is a need for us to be tender. To be gentle. To be patient. To be kind. And what happens is when we uh, endure and we honor his word, we become more like Jesus. And we have a strength that is able to be soft to the ones we love most dearly. And we have a commitment that holds the line and becomes a shelter 
for those who trust us? What would that look like for us? What growth is he trying to fulfill in the years ahead? What is he trying to take us into right now? And all we feel is discomfort. But at the end, all there is is life. And all there is is joy. And we don't get to just enjoy it ourselves like the farmer. We get to enjoy it together. And the people in our lives get to experience his growth in us. What an amazing thing. If our community grew together and we got to experience something of his life-giving spirit here among us, what an impact that would make. What an impact. What a life-giving, harvest-filled impact that would make to those we love, to those closest to us, our friendships, our co-workers, in every sphere of our lives. May we become comfortable in the discomfort. May we not allow it to draw us back, to pull us back. May we get to experience something of God's touch in our lives and grow as a result. In a moment, we're going to be sharing in a song together, and the band's going to come up and receive our time of giving. And It speaks to this idea of needing to stay strong, needing to be rooted in his grace that strengthens us. And so we're going to do that together, but I'd love to pray over what we've just shared. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, God, that uh, your intentions for us are always good, that your word for us is right, life-giving, protecting, and strengthening. And I pray for any of us, God, who maybe are in the middle of walking through uh, a degree of discomfort, and we may be tired, God. We may be weary of it, and we may feel that the truth is we, uh, we feel it's too much. I pray, God, that you would speak strength to us. I pray that you would remind us that when we are weak, you are strong. That you would remind us, God, that your grace is sufficient. It is able to sustain us. It is able to strengthen us and help us. It is able to keep us and anchor us. It is able to give us the ability to endure, to train, so that we can enjoy the harvest of what you want to do. May that be the case, God. May we experience your touch in our lives and grow as a result. And may our communities be impacted because of it. We pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen.